Mendocino County and Points Beyond. This is Chris Skyhawk. We have Universal Perspectives for you here tonight. We're going to cover two areas of issues. One, our local area here. We're going to cover what's going been going on in Jackson State Forest where civil disobedience has broken out trying to stop the logging in what is called the 500 THP. And my first guest will be with us soon, Anne-Marie Stenberg, who has been organizing the civil disobedience protests out there. And later in the show, oh, I should mention that song was by Cecilia Ostro, that lady you heard singing there. She's a lovely singer. Our next guest will be Max Wilbert. Max is an author, and he is going to talk to us about what's happening in Thacker Pass, Nevada, where they're proposing to put a two-square-mile lithium mine on Shoshone Paiute land, and we'll have him on the second part of the show. So can we pop up Anne-Marie now? Anne-Marie, Hi. Hey, Chris, how thank, are you? I'm great. Thank you for being with us tonight. Anne Marie. Thank you. I know that the KZUX listeners are, are become very familiar with what's going on in Jackson State. So I think we'll dive into that a little bit later. The things that we are looking at this coalition to change in terms of the management practices at Jackson State Forest. Why, would you please tell us what has been happening in the forest? I know there's been a lot of civil disobedience in recent days. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners what's going on out there? Well, we're, do, we're doing the very best we can to keep as many trees standing as possible. And um, the THP, we're talking about THP 500. Uh, thank God the, uh, the trail stewards alerted us to what was going on there. There was no chance. It was you know, right after COVID broke out. It was right during that time when the THP was, public comment was open. And so public comment didn't get in. There's no chance for lawsuits. It's only people power that's going to keep those trees standing. And it's only enough people standing up and putting their bodies on the line to get the public officials to do what's right there. And what's right there is that's Pomo land. Like you're talking about Thacker Pass. This is Pomo land. It hasn't been seeded. We need a moratorium there on all logging, and we need that force to be turned over to, to the park system and not be a money cash cow for Cal Fire and the, and the government in, in general. And Marie, would you tell the listeners exactly what has been happening in the forest in recent days? I know there have been gatherings every day and people in the forest. Tell us what's been happening out there. Well, you know, Chris, it's kind of hard to tell because it blends. It's been so active out there that they, all the actions blend into one. So I'm not going to be able to say this happened on this day and that happened on that no, day. No, I, I, we're not asking for details. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it all blends together. But what I can say in essence, is every before dawn every day people have been out there using their bodies to stop the logging and we have tremendously slowed it down but we haven't stopped it there's two areas that they've gone after and uh it's i mean they're determined right right now 
redwood is five times more. The cost of it is five times more than it was just last year. It might have even gone up since the last time I checked. And so they're rushed no matter what. They want to get these big trees, and that's what they're focusing on in the 500. They're big trees. They're focusing on that. And they want to get them out and get them to the mill and make their money. It's all about greed. It's nothing to do with the environment it's, or fire suppression. They're causing more fire hazards. And it, and it hurts the environment and it hurts the climate. And they're doing it as fast as they can. They're doing crazy stuff. Y- yesterday, yesterday morning or the last time I was out, I'm out there every other morning. And... Uh, and all day, you know. Yes, and, and tell, tell us what a typical, and, typical action looks like. Well, two mornings ago, two, I can tell you just from two mornings ago. Uh, two mornings ago, we were out, actually we spent the night. My comrade and right there, we went out right before dusk, and we set up our chairs and our bears, they're called the lock boxes that we lock ourselves into, and our blankets, and we had our sleeping pills. We, we didn't sleep much. A coyote came to visit us, actually. I want to talk about that. A coyote came. George saw security was driving by the road every few hours, and he saw we saw security, and we, of course, make sure they can't see us. And uh, George saw what he thought was a dog. He thought it was a dog at first that looked like a coyote, but it was a coyote. And he came to visit us, and at first he growled, and I talked to him, and I said, you know, uh, hi. We're here to help save your home. And if you could help us, that would be really great. And he made some noise, and he was walking around. We had a little food back. We were back in there, and I said, if you want some food, don't tear things up. Come and see me. I have some food right next to my chair because I was sitting in the chair by then. And he stayed with us about 20 minutes, and then he left. And in my estimation, that's a really good sign. He's really there to help us, and the coyote is a very powerful medicine. Yes, yeah, so us earth-loving pagans just love it when stuff like that happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we are. We do. But anyway, so we do. So we can't. So we were out there, and then by three, we decided we better. We were laying down behind the trees, and we decided we better sit in our chairs and get the lockbox on because they'd come as early as four in the morning. So we wanted to be ready. So when they came through, this is amazing. They came through at the kiosk at 500. It was a convoy, and three Cal Fire. Trucks were leading the convoy of five loggers' trucks in, and they slowed down as they came by, Pastor, where we were locked down, and they could see what was going on. So instead of finishing, trying to finish what they were doing the day before, they went to the other section at the other end of the THP, where they had been logging, and they were stopped last week by another group of people, and uh, and they got in, and we got notice that they were there, and they were they were blocking it off, and nobody. Uh, if you wanted to be arrested, you should go there. So we walked, the, it's about three miles, two and a half, three miles to the end of the THP. And and the uh, Cal Fire guy, Jason, was there, and all the trucks were there. And and Jason sees us, George and I, and he uh, he says, you can't come in here. It's, it's, uh, 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 pri- uh, it's uh, no trespassing. And uh, uh, there's active logging going on, and you'll be arrested. And I said, yes, I understand. Thank you very much. And we walked past him, and he said it kept following us. We're going towards the chainsaws. And he kept following us, saying the same thing over and over. I blew my whistles. Most of us whistle. Most of us have whistles when we're out there to let other people coming from another direction 
know that we were there. And so, uh, and, and Jason, the Cal Fire guy, says, uh, what are you blowing your whistles for? Uh, I hear those whistles all the time. Nothing happens then. And I said, I'm letting the other force defenders know that there's someone in this location. And if you heard, you heard at least three other whistles coming from different locations. And they're ready to go into the, the logging site, too. And uh, <laughs> so he said... So he started, oh, well, I better, I better warn Jesse, the crew there. He's the crew boss. I better, and so he started walking faster and calling Jesse's name. And finally, the log, uh, Jesse answered, and he, and he yelled, uh, trespassers in the woods, trespassers coming in, trespassers. And he, and he yelled that, and the, the saw stopped, and uh, we got in location, and, uh, uh, and uh, Jason ran out, I'm sure, to call Cal Fire and let him know, and we we hid there and we watched. We could see them. We watched them pack up and they left, and they went down to the other end of the THP where we had been blocking earlier in the morning, and got in there where, where we call the Gemini tree, and there were a couple people there already, and uh, the and then more people showed up, and then private citizens that we didn't even know coming down the path. It's called the parallel path, one with a dog and a couple bicycles. And here they are, log actively logging, taking down large trees. Hellfire is there. There's defenders, but there's private citizens that are not connected at all, driving by, I mean, walking by or riding on their bike. Uh, people are panicked because the, the, the trees are actively coming down, and they're not stopping. They're supposed to stop when there's when, when there's people in the woods. They're, they they see them, they relate to them, and they don't stop. And Highway Patrol came. People called nine one one. Nobody answered. Uh, I mean, they answered nine one one, and they said, "Call Cal Fire." All right, Cal Fire's there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then then you call Cal Fire, and they say, "Call the sheriff." And then you call the sheriff, and the sheriff says, "Call." Call Cal Fire, and then you call nine one one again. It goes on and on and on. And 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 one really brave woman actually got in front of the chainsaw, and I think that actually stopped it. And they stopped for the day. That was the last action I was at two days ago. Mm. So it's it's very intense. Uh, we need supporters out there with us, and we need people. We train people. We have nonviolent training, nonviolent direct action training. We've had four of those already. We've, we've trained more, I don't know how many, at least 50 or 60 people. We train them. We have a nonviolence code. We don't do property damage. We don't do, uh, uh, well, it's a whole code. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had it on there before. Um, and uh, we do training, so we have, we don't let on train people in the woods. And uh, but we we need observers, we need supporters. Uh, when we lock down on gates, uh, uh, nobody can be arrested. They're doing nobody can be arrested without being warned. If you do that, you'll be arrested, or or if you don't do that, you'll be arrested. So people have a choice. So when they're coming to watch and observe, and that protects us on front lines like that, you know how it is. Uh, and Marie, I'm gonna, I must step in for a second and ask you a question. Go ahead. Are people? Yeah. Now it seems like you would think that Cal Fire, if there is, if there's protectors in the woods, I'm gonna call them protectors. I th I think that's more important, more appropriate term than protesters. Protectors. No, they're defenders. And defenders are they're not protesters. 
They're defending Mother So Earth. please let me finish my question. So yeah, are people pressuring Cal Fire to stop when people come in the woods? Like you say, um, um, you also had a hiker and a bicyclist just come on through. Yeah. It's a public trail. Oh, What's yeah. Cal Fire doing about this? Are they saying, well, we should just cut anyway? They're just, you know, they, they say they put up some signs, but if you know Jackson State Forest at all, that's the people's forest. There's people that live all around it. They have their own trails to come in and their own daily routines or weekly routines. There's no way of stopping everybody, the public, from getting in there. And Cal Fire knows it. They were there on that site. They were right there watching what was happening. They didn't stop the loggers. Is there is there a way to pressure Cal Fire to be more safe with the people who are in the woods? That's up to you. That's up to the public to do that. We're doing everything we can. We, of course, called Cal Fire, and we, of course, tried to get them to stop the logging right there while there were people, including people that weren't involved in the protest, the, the, the stopping the logging uh, action there, and they didn't do anything. If people are sitting at no, home with a pen and pencil right now, who can they call or email to register their concerns? You know, I don't have that information in front of me. I hope if you have a call in, one of the listeners will give them the information. I want them to call the governor. I want him to call Dan Jurdy. I want him to call Ted Williams has been helpful. He when when we told him what happened yesterday, uh, uh, with, with with nobody responding and giving us the runaround, he said, "Call him, and he'll call nine one one and try to get somebody out there." The highway patrol showed up. They just turned around and left yesterday. We called the highway patrol. We paid their taxes. Chris, everybody fighting us, the force defenders, every single person is paid for by the taxpayers, by us. That park is paid for by us. The, 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 the Cal Fires, they work for us. Ohio Patrol, they work for us. The sheriff, they work for us. But no, they're supposed to work for us. They work for greed of the corporation. That's who they work for. I'm sorry. You know I'm emotional about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also, I also want to be sure that we tell people if they want to support what's going on. Suppose people want to join in the forest and, and, and be there as part of the protection efforts how can they how right. can they channel in here and safely okay they can uh, if they want to get on a list to have alerts and uh, updates of what's going on in jackson state uh, jackson state forest uh, they can email me and i'll put them on a list and i send out alerts and updates and my email is ams at m org. They can ask me if they want to be on the alert and update list, and I will, I'll, I'll put them on that. If they want to be on the direct action list, I will uh, take their uh, information, uh, email and phone number, but I'll, I'll pass it on to Naomi, who, who does the direct, direct action training. If they want to come in the force, or where we're at, at the, uh, at the gates, wherever we block, it changes the action. We've been changing the action every day, depending on what we, we figure Cal Fire and the loggers are doing. So it changes. The locations change. So, but we're meeting every day, working day, 
so far. It might end up being the weekend. At 4.15 in the morning, on uh, on the Fern Creek, you go the Casper Fern Creek turn off where the duck pond is. You take that Casper Fern Creek that duck uh, exit, and there's a big pullout. We're meeting there at 4.15. And what they can do, like yesterday, I mean, I think today it was, the people that were out, they, they blockaded the road. And they need observers and people to film it. There's no, you don't risk the rest when you do that. You're not in an active logging site, so you're not going to endanger your life. But we definitely need observers, and maybe somebody brings some. Somebody this morning brought some coffee and donuts for people. You know, we're out there. You know, we're out there all day. So and and uh, so that's the place to meet up if you want to uh, be an observer of direct action in a not in a place. I'm not talking about going in the woods with us. I'm talking about road blockades. And that we blockade different roads, different days. And I suppose I suppose I will put the number. I will put them on the list. And uh, and we'll, we'll, as soon as we get enough people to do that, it's you know we we started this in April, and we've already done four trainings, and we've already trained more than sixty people. But we don't want untrained people that haven't taken the nonviolence code in the woods. Oh, Henry. So Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what I want to say most of all, and I'm going to get choked up saying this, but I want to say it most of all. Uh, we all know the crisis we're in in terms of climate and the, and the earth itself. We all know that. This is, these redwoods, this forest, this forest is the best carbon sequestration unit we have in all of this area, all of this area, and to take those big trees, it's, it, it, it's, it's not only forest, it's murdering the people and the animals and everything around. It, 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 it's criminal. It's murder. And what I see out there in the morning at, at 4 o'clock, sometimes 3 o'clock, I see uh, these incredibly dedicated people of all walks of life of every age group, uh, physically, uh, physically uh, differently abled. A person in a wheelchair helped us blockade a road. Uh, you know, I, I personally have my own medical issues. There's a number of other people that have it, and we're all dedicated to doing everything we can, including you, Chris. You've been out there a lot with us. Thank you so much. And it reminds me of that. They call it a Hopi. Uh, a Hopi prophecy, or, 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 but it actually, there's a number of Native tribes that have the same prophecy. And, and, and it's when the earth is ravaged and dying, there shall arise a new tribe of people of all colors and creeds. This tribe shall be called the warriors of the rainbow, and it will put its faith, its faith in action, not words. So any action you can take, it has to be action. We have to do everything we can. We have children that are just being born that need a planet to be able to survive on. We need animals. And, you know, this is our state forest. This belongs to us. And it, it, it's it's murder. It's a tragedy. It's criminal. That's and, Marie, I want to step in just for a second. And you, you're touching on a lot of uh, several issues. I think that we should – I would like to uh, – Explore a little bit here um, in terms of the in terms of the carbon sequestration. 
you touched upon this, but it's actually been shown that second-growth redwood forests sequester more carbon than any forest on Earth. Right here. Exactly. And so exactly, this is, right? the, yeah, and so, you know, I'm really impressed with how much uh, community up, up support there's been. I know the trail stewards, they started out, they wanted, they proposed a 20,000 acre reserve on the western portion of Jackson State. And due to the community support and the upwelling, a lot of different people and groups, that, that request is now up to 50,000 acres. People are saying this whole forest oh, should be for carbon sequestration now. And wildlife, That's and right. and also it's been shown, it's been shown that Mendocino. If you want to just argue straight on economics on dollars, Mendocino County will make more money off of recreational tourism than, than they'll make off of logging. Yep, that's absolutely correct. And what we're what all groups that are involved in this have some common ground, and the common ground is we want a moratorium on all logging in Jackson State Forest, a two-year moratorium, and, 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 and we want it to turn into, a, to give us time, to give all the parties time. And the, the Pomo people have to be, their, their interests have to be number one. That, that's their land. That's not ceded land. That was, that was, and they took care of it. And they need to, they're doing government-to-government government consultation right now, but that their their interest is number one interest because we know they love the land and they know how to take care of it. Well, there's also a, a tremendous opportunity here for cultural healing, in terms That's of right. in terms of you know now what what the state is legally obligated to do at the legal term is consult with tribes, and a lot of people are starting to say, well, there needs to be consent, not just consult. That's right, That's and right. so They're doing that. So there's a lot of uh, he cultural healing that could happen here, also in Jackson State, yeah. if that model changes and the, tri and the tribal entities, they have to give permission, not just be, not pat on the back. Oh, we had a meeting with you to tell you what we exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, in Washington State, they've done that now. Yes, they, Washington they, State they, just they, changed. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's very exciting Washington what's State. happening. It's consent. Well, in California, supposedly we're the most progressive state in the union, right? I, 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 you know, I feel kind of outraged sometimes. Like, okay, well, if we're this progressive, then why don't we have consent? Why is it consult, not consent? We're supposed to be this progressive. And the governor, I'll just throw in one more thing because I'm gonna grind my axle here too. California, California has a thirty by thirty. Right, where right, they're they're right. going to protect thirty percent of the land base of California for climate mitigation by twenty thirty, yeah. and so this is the lowest hanging fruit on the tree is Jackson State. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's almost it's almost I get I laugh at it sometimes. It's so obscene and 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 ridiculous that we have that thirty thirty commitment, and here's state land, and what are they doing? Logging it. They're just <laughs> The best carbon sequestration system on the planet, the redwood. Crazy. I'm sorry. I'm well, <laughs> yeah, Anna Maria. You know, I know. It's. I realize. You know, I call the show universal perspective, and I, I pride myself <clears throat> in staying neutral. I realize I just can't yes. on this issue. No, no. no. I, there, I, 
you know, Chris, you've been out there with us. You you walked all the this way. This is splendid for us. You've been every t- every time you came. <laughs> if we're not deep in the woods, you're there with us, supporting us, and you understand, like like the people, understand how important it is. Well, and also see, we, we should put in here. I think it was it two weeks ago that we did the ritual at the tree. There, we had ritual, yep. a community oh, ritual. And what I see yeah. also is a lot of people are really healing their own connection with nature through this action mm-hmm. out there. It's a lovely thing to yeah. see people really, really rediscovering and reanimating their connection to Earth. Absolutely, and that that you're the one that that organized that ritual, and it was incredibly powerful. Many. It was of us a beautiful experience. Yeah. Yes, it was really beautiful. It was really beautiful, and I, I, you know, I, you're absolutely right. And as I said, every of every persuasion, people are reconnecting, and people are connecting. I mean, we all have. We're we're all we're all connected. We're the earth. We're the trees. We're it, we're all of that, and they're connecting to that. They feel it personally. They feel when those trees were coming down. I mean it. You get post-traumatic stress yeah. hearing them and seeing them. Those are our mothers and fathers and aunties and uncles. Those are our ancestors, too. We're all one. And also, there's been uh, the children have been going out to that tree every Saturday. They've been at the tree set and doing So the youth are being involved in this, too. Oh, yeah. The fam- families for the force, they're out there every Saturday from 12 to 3. And they're doing wonderful things out there. They're doing art. They're learning about uh, learning about the force. They're teaching us. We're not just teaching them. It's it's very symbiotic between the forest and the kids, and the forest and the people. It's very symbiotic. It's, it's wonderful, it, it, and and it's only growing more and more. I want to say one more thing. Okay, please. For sure, get in. I, I, and it, it's very important. You remember back in the day. Uh, Chris, when uh, 30, 40 years ago when we were doing this, when we were able to run up and down the hill. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm out there with uh, a walking stick. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I, have one of those. <laughs> I do it a little bit better than you, but not much, Chris. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, strokes have a way of slowing okay. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hard anyway, to go ahead, Anne-Marie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. I understand. Um, so, Back in the day, it, it was very difficult when, when they were doing, uh, people might not understand this, but we had Force Forever on the in, statewide initiative. I remember it, that. It, 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 yeah, it was a number, uh, it took a while to build the campaign, but we got it on the state initiative. And as we were doing the, the organizing to get that to happen and all the different things you have to do to make a state initiative, the timber companies did two things. They, the first thing they did was they, uh, they, the, the union, both the loggers and the mill workers were in the same union, and the union voted to go on strike because of what they were doing. And what they were doing is they were cutting the salaries and putting people on piecemeal because they wanted to work faster. They did that, and that was actually helping the union people try to fight that. Uh, and they tried to fight that, was my first organizing in Mendocino County for the mill workers. The second organizing I did in Mendocino County was for the mill workers when the PCB still happened, but that's another story. But anyway, they did that, and then they did. Then they brought in, so they cut the salaries of the mill workers 
by a third, and they and, and they put them on piecemeal. And then what they did is they brought in loggers from Idaho and Montana, all over, because I had a daycare center there, and I was getting requests for, I had a, a waiting list, but I was getting requests from from the people to, to bring their children there, and they're from all over, and I'd find out to come to cut the forest. So they tripled the cut, and they cut the salaries. And, and that's what's going on now. What's going on now? Redwood is at least five times, costs more, five times more, all wood, but Redwood in particular, than it did just last year. So they're speeding up. It's not just the Casper 500. There's, a, I think, either seven or nine pieces in different, different stages, a, a number of them approved already for the Casper, I mean, for the uh, Jackson State Forest. So yes, I right. think one of the things yeah. I think is very interesting is that I think the trail stewards are so successful in bringing attention to this issue, and yeah. now it's just growing and growing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, all of us are so incredibly grateful for the work that they've done and continue to do. It's really, I mean, it's really wonderful that they were there for us. I mean, they let us know. They rang the, the, the alert bell. They rang yeah, they the bell did. really hard. Great. Okay, Anne-Marie, yeah, um... I'm going to go to our next guest here pretty soon. I would like to people to have your contact information one more time. Okay. All right. There's two things. AMS, my initials, Anna Marie Stenberg at mcn.org. You can say uh, in the subject line, uh, get on the list or direct action, and, I'll, and you can write me something, and I'll get you plugged in. You could come. And we need people to come, not not just for direct action, but to be observers. And I mean, we need protection. We need uh, people to tape what's going on on their phones, that kind of stuff. So, four fifteen every morning, Monday, at, at the Fern Creek pullout, um, right off off of uh, in Casper. There's only two exits. One is Fern Creek, and one is something else. Do the Fern Creek exit? Go right. And you'll see it cars. There. By right, you mean turn right. east. Yeah, yeah, okay. Turn east, right. <laughs> right. It depends on what direction <laughs> you're coming in. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, Anne Marie, I think you're going to, I think you're going to need a secretary. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but uh, it's not just people out in the force that we need. We need people. There's incredible upswell of the community members, people making telephone calls, people printing, people donating uh, time or money. Uh, we, need, uh, we need people uh, writing letters. The governor is really important. The governor, he can stop this. He can stop it right now. He can do that. And the un underlings, the politicians underneath, like McGuire and Dirty, starting with Dirty, Ted, Ted is working really hard, but Dirty is really not on our side. And this is his district, too. So getting hold of Dan Dirty and up the chain, McGuire and, uh, and, and and the governor. Those, to me, are the most important. But other people can call in if it's a call-in show, um, Chris, and, and, and give suggestions. Too, I, I would okay? like to point out people's also on Facebook. What's it, Mama yes. Tree Mendo? Is that, is that? Yes, that's a good Okay, that's yeah, go to Facebook, and there'll be lots of information. You can get conversations there, too. Mama Tree Mendo on Facebook. And, and Instagram. Instagram also has it. Uh, an Instagram page, real familiar with Instagram, but it's Mama uh, Mama Tree 
Instagram, and they, they have updates there, too. So that would be a really good place. Okay, okay yeah, Emery. And we, like, our coalition is wonderful, and it keeps growing and growing and growing. I mean, and people are spending a lot of time and energy doing everything they can to save our forest. Okay, Anna Marie, I really appreciate being with us today, and please get some sleep. Don't know. <laughs> I know you're working really hard. I know you're working really hard. Thank you for that. Thank you for being with us here tonight. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. We're gonna go, we'll go to another song here. When we come back, we'll have my next guest. There's a magic in the air That I feel when I am there It plays straight for my heart And it lays it all bare It's in the cry of an eagle And the deer so meek and mild It's in the rise of a mountain Let it stay forever wild Forever wild Forever wild Let it stay forever wild It's in all that is not tame And some that can't be named It's in the fog down in the valley It's in the scent of summer rain It's in the scream of a lion When she's sounding like a child It's in the song of a river Let it stay forever wild Forever wild Forever wild Let it stay Forever wild Now the earth she holds the key To all that shall be free It's in the peace down in the desert And the wisdom of the trees It's in the grace of a swan's wing And the grizzly when she's riled It's in all the love I bear it Let it stay forever wild Forever wild Forever wild Let it stay Forever wild Now there are those of our own kind They're running fast and going blind And the only thing they worship Is their God the dollar sign Well, we must fight them with our spirit With our might and with our guile We must show them that the answer Is to stay forever wild Forever wild Forever wild Let it stay forever wild. That was that was Peg Millett with she she was a singer there. The, the song was but written by Walking Jim Stoll, so that's Forever Wild. Well, working towards Forever Wild, my next guest, we're going to talk about Thacker Pass. I'll let him tell tell you what that's about. 
Max Wilbur. He is the author of two books. Most recently, Bright Green Lies, How the Enviro Environmental Movement Lost Its Way and What We Can't Do About It. And he wrote with Derek Jensen and Lear Keith. Let's, let's pot him up. Hello, Max. Hey, Chris. Max, hey, thank you Chris, for being with us doing? here tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, I know that you've been out the Thacker Pass, and but first of all, let's let's let you introduce yourself to people here in Mendocino County and whoever else listens to us all around the world. Sure. Yeah. So I'm an organizer, a writer. You mentioned the book I just came out with. That book focuses on uh, the harms of so-called green technologies, including lithium mining, electric cars, and a variety of the other mainstream quote-unquote, solutions to the ecological issues we're facing. Uh, you know, I, I've been fighting the fossil fuel industry for over a decade. Uh, I've worked as a wilderness guide for many years, and the latest big project that I've taken on is this, this Stacker Pass fight because I think it's, it's a really important one. Well, let's, um, let me have you describe what the Stacker Pass project is. I suspect some of our listeners may not know about it. Yeah, so... Lithium is an element that is increasingly in demand, and it's because of batteries. So the batteries that power cell phones, laptop computers, uh, electric and hybrid vehicles, and the batteries that are increasingly being used to store energy from, from solar panels for periods when it's cloudy or it's dark, and, and wind turbines for, for periods when the wind isn't blowing, are lithium-ion batteries. They're the uh, the, the most advanced battery technology that's in widespread use today. And there is a huge booming demand for lithium right now. And it's largely driven by uh, the increase in electric vehicles. You know, probably listeners have, have heard that, you know, General Motors and Ford and all these big car companies around the world are saying we're going to switch to 100% uh, EVs within the next you know, pretty rapid period within the next few years for several of these car companies. And that means that all of a sudden we're seeing this huge spike in lithium demand. The International Energy Agency says a 30-fold increase in lithium demand by 2030. So that's 19 years. Um, or nine years, excuse me. <laughs> so um, this demand is driving lithium mining all over the world. And lithium has been mined for many years. It's been an ecological problem for many years, but it's been on a relatively small scale. Now we're seeing new mines popping up all over the planet, uh, in, in Tibet, uh, China, in Australia, in Serbia, Portugal, uh, Bolivia, Argentina, Chile, and here in the United States in several places. So one of those locations in the United States is Thacker Pass, which is located in northern Nevada. And this is a, a place where there's a high concentration of lithium in the soil. And so a company, a Canadian company, corporation, a multinational company called Lithium Americas, is planning to build a 28-square-mile uh, open-pit mine on this site at Thacker Pass. Did you, did you say 28 lithium. square miles? Yeah, that's correct. What does that look like? I can't even imagine. What does that look like? Well, it's, uh, Thacker Pass is situated between two mountain ranges. So 
to the north is the Montana Mountains. The south is the Double H Mountains. And it's this broad saddle, um, about a mile above sea level. And it's a sagebrush steppe. So there's no trees. It's these old sagebrush bushes. Some of them are 100 years old or more. Uh, some of them are six feet tall, but most of them are waist height, you know. And so this landscape, it, it may not be as sort of instantly stunning as a redwood forest. I know you were just talking to your previous guest about, about the redwoods. Um, it may not be sort of instantly uh, punch you in the face as, as, as the old-growth redwoods, but it's incredibly ecologically important. It's home to threatened and endangered species. It's home to endemic species that live nowhere else in the world. Uh, it's really important habitat for the, the greater sage grouse, which, you know, is a story like the bison. They're 99% gone. Um, they're just barely hanging on. And this mine would basically consist of bulldozing all that sagebrush, destroying all that habitat, uh, and then coming in with explosives and heavy equipment and digging out a pit about 400 feet deep, um, which is the height of a 30-story building, um, down into the land there. And, you know, the harms of this project just go on and on. You know, we're talking about carbon emissions, air pollution, water pollution, uh, you know, and as well, big impacts on the local indigenous peoples. Yes, I wanted um, to mention that. Something that I know that's a traditional yeah. territory of the Shoshone and Paiute people. Yeah, absolutely. This is, and it's not an unimportant traditional territory. It's not like a fringe area. It's really at the core of uh, traditional territory of um, northern Paiute and western Shoshone peoples from the area. I was talking to one of the elders up there about it, and he called Thacker Pass, uh, which is known as Pahimaha in Paiute, um, he called it our main pathway, quote-unquote. It, it really is an important, you know, corridor for wildlife right now. Um, and, and historically, it's a really important corridor for human beings as well, going back thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, in fact, during the wars of colonization, when Nevada was, was being conquered by the westward expansion of the American Empire, um, some of those Paiute and Shoshone families only survived by actually hiding in Thacker Pass. That was where they took refuge um, from these these marauding armies that uh, had come to take their land. And it, it's really disturbing, and uh, it's a major problem that now we're seeing that colonization process sort of come full circle. Um, with with Thacker Pass itself or Pahimaha under threat. Max, I have to say, that as I as I researched to do this interview with you today, I did not know there was such a thing as old growth sage rush. <laughs> I think that's yeah, I think that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I think you know I I grew up in the Northwest too. Uh, you know, you're in Mendocino area and. I grew up in Seattle, so I'm used to forests. That's my sort of natural habitat that I grew up in. And the Great Basin, though, is this incredibly special region. You know, it's a place where you can go out and be the only human being for 10 miles in any direction. Like, that solitude and wildness is easy to find in in northern Nevada, in this region. Um, it's an incredibly wild, uh, uh, you know, animated place, um, 
you know, I didn't actually know that Packer Pass or Pahimaha was a sacred site when I visited there the first time um, last year in preparation for setting up this camp, but I felt something, you know, I felt something in my heart when I was standing on that land and, you know, hiked to the top of a cliff and watched the sunset over this place, knowing that it's damped, you know, it's threatened with total destruction. Um, I felt something of that sacredness and anyone who comes out to the site will feel that too. There's so many good reasons to protect this place. And we just don't think that uh, electric cars, which are frankly a luxury good, we don't need them to survive, uh, are, are, are a justification for blowing up this place. Let's, let's, let's move on into some of the resistance actions that are going on. I know there's a direct action camping set up. Would you address that a little bit? Yeah. So on January 15th, uh, five days before Inauguration Day, the final federal permit for this project was issued. That's called the Record of Decision. And the Bureau of Land Management is the agency that issued this, this final permit, this Record of Decision. The same day, my friend Will Falk and I drove down there and set up our uh, protection camp on the site of the proposed mine. And it's been in place ever since. Uh, so the 15th, uh, a couple days ago, was the five-month anniversary of the camp uh, being in place. So we've been holding down the site ever since. And as you say, we're prepared for direct action if necessary. We don't mean to leave. Um, and we we're going to protect that place. So Are you there now? You know, alongside, yeah. Okay. And alongside that strategy, we also have the... Uh, we have legal strategies. So several groups have filed lawsuits against the project, um, some environmental groups, some ranchers. Um, we also have the local native tribes are pushing back hard. Um, the Fort McDermott Paiute Shoshone tribe, Reno Sparks Indian Colony, um, the, uh, the Winnemucca Indian Colony, um, and, and several other local tribes, Duck Valley Indian Reservation, they're pushing back uh, against this project because it was rushed through. It was done in a way that's completely unethical, um, not to mention probably illegal. And, uh, you know, it's not right to destroy this place. So mm-hmm. the opposition has been pretty strong so far, but, you know, I'm sure I don't have to tell you or your listeners that the laws in this country are set up to benefit corporate interests every time over the planet, over workers over indigenous peoples and so uh, you know the deck is really stacked against Packer Pass and against Pahimaha and so we're uh, you know we're we're prepared to escalate and we are not going to back down um is there a big fight has there been any any civil disobedience actions out there yet not thus far at this point it's completely legal for us to be camping on the site um, the Bureau of Land Management sends up rangers periodically to take a look at the camp and gather intelligence, but it's legal for people to be there right now. So, um, you know, we have people coming and going, kids, families, elders. Um, it's not a problem to be there at the moment. That situation could change in the future, um, but for now, um, there is no there is no sort of reason for civil disobedience. Now, on January 29th, um, that's the soonest date that the BLM could start coming in um, with the mining company and 
digging up and destroying cultural sites. So there are over Can you say that date? What was that date, Max? That's July 29th. July, okay. I think you said, okay, July yeah. 29th. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it was pushed back a little bit. Originally, it was, it was coming up here in June, um, but that date was pushed back recently to, to the end of July. And on that date, uh, they might come in and start destroying these over 1,000 cultural sites uh, at Sacker Pass, at Pahimaha, that include, uh, you know, artifacts, arrowheads, tools, campsites, um, and potentially grave sites and burial sites as well. There's, there's an oral history of a massacre that took place at Thacker Pass, um, which is actually the origin of the Paiute name for the place, Pahimaha, comes from the story of this massacre um, in which quite a few uh, Native folks were believed to be, to be killed on the site. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons that, that it's such an important place culturally. And, uh, you know, even though the mining construct, the construction, the actual mine might not start until 2022, we're, we don't plan to let them dig up that site and dig up the, the, uh, artifacts and potentially the ancestors who are buried there. You know, one of my friends from the tribe said it to me like this. How would Americans like it if we sent bulldozers to Arlington National Cemetery and started rolling those bulldozers across, crushing all the graves, digging them up, and building a lithium mine underneath it? Can you can you describe to us a little bit? I'm wondering. I know a lot of people have pictures in their mind what happened at with, with Dapple, where um, it was it was largely indigenous led. A lot of environmental allies went out there. Is, is this is this a similar pattern to Thacker Pass? Yeah. So uh, the camp, as I mentioned, has been in place for five months. Um, we ha- tend to have large gatherings on the weekends, often with a um, hundred people, potentially more, um, gathering. There have been various ceremonies and and songs and drumming and, and round dances and different things. Um, taking place at these gatherings. There have been prayer walks and runs, um, you know, sharing food, um, as well as people just getting a chance to visit the land and see what is at stake and uh, connect with each other. So, um, you know, other folks are are visiting for just a couple days, and some folks are staying more long-term. Um, so I really would like to extend the invitation to people who want to come out and visit the site um, for short or for long term and, and be part of this. We need people with good hearts and um, dedication who can come out, you know, be relatively self-sufficient. We do have some shared supplies and tents and food and food donations and stuff like that, but being relatively self-sufficient um, and, you know, being ready to camp out in this incredibly beautiful place Um but, it, you know, it can be harsh at times. We're a mile above sea level in the mountains. Um, there oh, those was a big cold rain nights, last huh? week. <laughs> yeah, it, lately the, the cold isn't so much of a big deal. It's, um, it's hot and sunny during the days, you know, as we move into summer. Um, but, you know, that's, we're not there to be comfortable. You know, we're not there to have a vacation. We're there to protect that place and stand up and act in an honorable way and, we definitely need people to join us for that. Now, Max, if people 
Well, I, I was thinking during uh, during Dapple, I know a lot of us, we actually collected Wizdos and put them on trucks and sent Wizdos in the wintertime. Um, I'm curious how people can support those, those efforts there at Thacker Pass if they aren't necessarily going to get in their cars and drive to Nevada. Absolutely. So the first thing I would recommend folks do is go to our website, which is protectthackerpass.org. And Thacker is spelled T-H-A-C-K-E-R. So protectthackerpass.org. Uh, sign up for the email list so you can get our updates, you know, action call-outs, um, calls for donations, funds, uh, food, different types of supplies. Um, at this point, we are, you know, we're gathering our strength. We're preparing for the next steps of this fight, and we're pushing forward on the different strategies that we're working on. Um, so that's probably the best way. If folks want to get involved with a specific skill or a specific donation, um, reach out to us through the website. We've got contact info on there. Um, let us know what you can offer. You know, we need we need lawyers. We need healers. We need people with direct action experience and training. Uh, we need uh, legal observers. We need uh, we need a cook <laughs> to just hang out at camp and just make food <laughs> for everybody. Uh, you know, we need some people with medical training to just be up there and keep an eye on things in case anybody gets hurt or something like that. And, uh, you know, so whatever your skills or your background is, uh, you know, whether you're uh, a poet or a carpenter or uh, a military veteran, we have a space for you up there. Max, I want to just shift slightly in this interview. Now, it strikes me that, you know, there's been a lot of pressure to, for people to drive these electric vehicles. And it, it seems to me... Everybody, everybody realizes that this planet is really the life systems are really teetering on the brink right now. Yeah. But there's sort of a some somehow it seems like a bit of a disconnect to me, like when people say, "Oh, well, I drive an electric car," but this is still going on. So what 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 do you think needs to change collectively? Yeah, that's a really good question, Chris, and I think that's really what it comes down to. You know, obviously, this isn't just about Packer Pass. This is happening all over the planet, as I mentioned. And I think that, you know, there was a time when the environmental movement understood that to save the planet, we're going to have to consume a lot less. We're going to have to deliberately shrink our economy. We're going to have to use less energy. We're going to have to change the way we live in some pretty fundamental ways. And, you know, lately people have seemed to uh, buy into this idea that we can have our cake and eat it too, that we can have all the energy we want, all the technological toys and gizmos and gadgets that we want, that we can have Tesla self-driving cars, and we can save the planet. And that's a marketing campaign. That's not reality. That's a story that's been told by advertisers, not a story that's being told by ecologists and people with their feet on the ground. Um, so I think that we need to sort of flip the script on that and understand that, you know, cars, no matter what powers them, no matter what's under the hood, are fundamentally destructive to the planet in their production process, in the disposal, in the maintenance, you know, in making the tires, the plastics, the steel and the frame, everything that goes into a car harms the planet. And so no matter what powers it, 
the more cars that are getting pumped out of factories, the worse it is for our world. Max, and, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to leave it there. We're almost at 8 o'clock. I can't believe it. That's a very fast hour. Uh, one more time with that website, please. Yeah, it's protectsacropath.org. Okay. Max, thank you so much. And tell us again what the name of your book is in case people want to support you by purchasing your probably your excellent book. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's called Bright Green Lies, How the Environmental Movement Lost Its Way and What We Can Do About It. Well, Max, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, we're going to say goodbye for now. Okay, we're, we have. I really like to thank. Uh, that was Max from Protect Thacker Pass and Anne Marie Senberg earlier. And I also really want to thank all the people who are really bringing their hearts and not, not quietly going to extinction. And here's one more song for. Her. Thank you, Rich, for being here, helping me engineer the show. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willitson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.